Hey, do you know what they call a cow that's not able to give milk? An utter failure. Do you know what they call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Yeah, these are lame, aren't they? Uh, do you know what they uh, call a cow that has no ears? Yeah, it doesn't matter because they won't come anyway. Thank you. Sorry. You know, it's bad when you got to stoop that low, right, to get a laugh. Well, I'm glad that you guys have ears and you've been listening and you have been acting on what we've been talking about in this Generosity Journey series. And uh, just to hear your stories and hear some of the conversations that are taking place as a result of what we've talked about, uh, it's really encouraging to hear. I heard a couple of stories this week. Uh, one uh, young couple uh, said that after they left uh, the service here last Sunday, they uh, went to a bookstore uh, in the area. And at this particular bookstore, they were doing some kind of campaign where they would ask you for a donation and they'd send a book uh, overseas. And so they asked, the attendant asked this couple, do you want to donate money towards a book? And they, you know, kind of looked at each other like, you know, after what we just heard at church, how could we not, you know, give a book? So they uh, donated some money to uh, send a book off, which was very generous of them uh, to do. Got an email from another couple this week who uh, talked about a friend of theirs that had long employment but had recently been uh, laid off like so many and uh, struggling financially and they'd been able to help uh, them with a gift card and uh, even recently had been uh, generous enough to pay a portion of this person's rent and uh, just the blessings that had come in their lives as a result of practicing generosity in the lives of others. And I know there are lots of stories. We've had some great talks even among our staff in the office. Uh, this week there was an issue that came up and uh, I was kind of giving my opinion about how we ought to respond and uh, uh, a couple of them said, uh, Jeff, uh, that's not very generous. Don't you think you ought to be a little more generous in your response? And so I said, okay, you're right. And uh, we did what they wanted to do instead of what I wanted to do. But, um, you know, so we're all learning, we're all growing, it's uh, stretching all of us, and uh, that's a good thing. Well, we've been using some words from First Timothy chapter 6 as our guide on this journey, and there we have discovered there are three keys to a more generous lifestyle, and uh, you probably can just about quote these with me now. Those three keys are to trust God, to do good, and to be generous. Today I want to focus in on doing good by talking about how to have a genuine concern for other people. Uh, there was a basketball coach whose team made it to the uh, Final Four in college basketball. This was quite a few years ago, and he was being interviewed after uh, before his team played in the Final Four, and they were asking him how his team had been so successful, and he gave a number of reasons, but then he wrapped up his comments by saying this. He said, we've been teaching our boys this year that good people do for themselves, great people do for others. Now, that's opposite of the prevailing attitude in our culture, isn't it? The prevailing attitude of our culture is great people do for themselves, good people do for others. But do you know what Jesus said? Jesus says that the one who wants to be the greatest will be the one who serves others. Jesus probably is the best example in all of history of someone who had a genuine concern for others and lived his life to serve other people. And so I want to look at a story from his life today, and if you've been around church for a while, this story may be very familiar. I hope I can give you some new insight, and uh, maybe for some of you, this story will be very fresh, and uh, you'll be happy to know about the story from Jesus' life. It's found in John chapter 13, and so I hope you brought your Bible today, and I hope you'll open it up right now to John chapter 13. If you're looking for the book of John, it's one of the 
four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the book of John, and we're going to be in chapter 13. Here's kind of the setting for the story. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to together for the Passover meal, which was a Jewish celebration of something that happened in their history, and they were celebrating uh, when God got them out of slavery in Egypt, and they went over the Red Sea and uh, into the Promised Land many years later. And so they're gathering to uh, celebrate this, and they're gathering on the very night. Later, Jesus will be betrayed and arrested in a garden, and in the ensuing days, he will be convicted really of no crime, but will be crucified on a cross, pay for our sins, and then he will be placed in a tomb, and three days later, he will rise again. But on the eve of all that, Jesus uh, has this incident in his life. John chapter 13, verse 1, here's how it begins. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, as I read that story, I think that there is an unspoken question floating around that upstairs room. And here's the unspoken question. Who will do it? Who will wash feet? Who will be a servant? You see, it would have been the custom when you came into a gathering like this that somebody would have been at the door washing feet. But obviously on this night, no one takes that duty upon themselves. And maybe Jesus and His followers had borrowed this upstairs room from someone and that host didn't feel an inclination on this night to provide someone Because normally when you'd go to a party like this, the host would have himself or one of his children or maybe a servant who would be at the door washing feet. But on this night, no one is. And trust me, their feet would have needed washing because they didn't have nice sidewalks and asphalt roads to walk on. Now, the streets of the city would have been dusty. In a dry period, you would have walked in thick dust and it would have just caked on your feet. Sometimes there would be some other things mixed in, the excrement of animals. And when it rained, it was a muddy, oozy mess, sometimes up to your ankles. So believe me, when they got there, they needed their feet washed. They didn't have shoes like we do. They would have worn maybe a pair of sandals, but not an expensive pair of Birkenstocks or anything like that. Just a simple piece of leather with a single strap that held it on their feet. And yet on this night, no one is washing feet. No one has taken it upon themselves to to serve others as they gather. And so you have to wonder why. What obstacle stood in the way for someone to simply wash the feet of those who arrived? Well, as I look at this, I think there are three possibilities. And maybe, maybe, you will find yourself in one of these three obstacles this morning. The first obstacle that I see was simply pride. You might be interested to know what these disciples were talking about over dinner. And in Luke chapter 22, we find this very same story recorded by another author. 
But in this case, he adds some different details. He gives us some insight about their discussion. Look in Luke 22, verse, just verse 24, it says, Also a dispute arose among them, that's Jesus' disciples, as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Now they're having dinner, and they're talking about who's the greatest. You, you want to know why nobody washed feet? Why everybody shuffled past the pitcher of water that night? Because they were more interested in grabbing for the throne than reaching for a towel. You see, they thought Jesus was going to lead some kind of political coup. And so they were jockeying for top positions. They were battling over who's the greatest, who's going to get the most glory in all of this. They weren't thinking about being humble. They weren't worried about being a servant to others. They were just jockeying for top positions. Their pride got in the way of serving others. And maybe, if you're like me, our ego, our pride, has a way of often getting in the way of us serving others, doesn't it? There's another potential obstacle in all of this. Maybe they just kept thinking somebody else will do it. Maybe it wasn't pride, but maybe they just kept thinking as they came into the room that night, somebody else will do it. And maybe you've had that thought too. Maybe you've uh, had moments like I've had where you're, you know, you're driving down the road and you come to some object that's in the middle of the street and maybe like me, you, I've thought often, you know, I, I ought to stop. I ought to pull my car off to the side of the road and retrieve whatever it is that's out in the middle of the street. So because it's kind of dangerous. But you know what I do nine times out of ten, or maybe ten times out of ten, if I'm honest? Yeah, I go around it and keep on going down the road thinking this. Hey, somebody else will stop and get it. Somebody else will do it. And maybe on this particular night, as they entered that room, that's what they were thinking. They just kept thinking, you know, somebody else will do it. And maybe there are moments in our lives when we think, well, somebody else will help my neighbor. Somebody else will sit down and write that note of encouragement. Somebody else will visit that person who's sick. Somebody else will do it. Well, maybe that wasn't it at all. Maybe there's a third obstacle. Maybe for them as they came into that room that night, they just had the wrong focus. Maybe they were just caught up in hanging out together. Maybe they were thinking about the, the great dinner that they were going to have and how wonderful it would be to relax around that dinner. Maybe there had been some incredible events earlier in the day and they were just so captivated by everything else that had happened and they were just talking away about everything that happened. They simply didn't think about, I had to stop and wash the feet of the people as they arrived. It happens to me at times and maybe to you as well. You know, it's a kind of a customary thing, maybe our equivalent to washing someone's feet when they arrive at your house. If you, if you lived in the Midwest in the wintertime, you know, if somebody comes to your home, you, you say to them, hey, can I take your coat? And you take their coat and put it away somewhere. I guess the Florida equivalent of that might be, you know, when somebody comes to our house, it's kind of a, a natural thing, a polite thing to say, can I get you something to drink? And you know what? Before people come to our house, when I know we have guests coming over, maybe our life group on Tuesday nights, I usually think to myself, you know, when they get here, I should offer them something to drink. But you know what happens inevitably to me? When they get there, I've become distracted by what I'm doing prior to their arrival. 
or I have uh, fallen asleep in my chair before they get there, or um, or we get right into a conversation. And do I think to ask them if they want something to drink? No. Now, fortunately, my wife is a much better hostess than I am a host, and often she remembers to ask them. Now, you know what? When that happens, it's not because I don't care about them. It's not because I wouldn't love to get them something to drink. I just have, I'm distracted. I've lost focus for a few minutes. And sometimes when we're doing life, it's easy just to get distracted. And it's not that we don't want to serve others. It's not that we don't genuinely care about other people. We're just, we're distracted. We're lost focus. And maybe we just need some times where we change our focus. Where we listen more closely to the Holy Spirit when He encourages us, hey, help them. Hey, here's an opportunity. But whatever the reason, on this particular night, no one answered the question, who will do it? Until Jesus answered the question. Jesus answered it by saying, I'll do it. I'll be the one to serve. And so, Jesus, can you picture this? Imagine it. His disciples are busy arguing or discussing who's going to be the greatest. They're busy positioning themselves for glory. And Jesus, maybe disappointed by their conversation, maybe disgusted by it, quietly gets up from the table, draws some water, takes a towel, and He kneels down in front of some of His guys to do what every one of them should have already done. He washes their feet. He serves them. He doesn't make an announcement. He doesn't try to get everybody's attention. He just begins to model what He has always modeled for every one of us. He serves. He gets personally involved. It's a hands-on action for Him. He doesn't just stand on the sidelines and think, boy, somebody ought to serve. He serves everyone in the room, even though... He wa- one of the guys, he'll wash his feet, and later that night, that same guy will betray him when he's arrested. He kneels in front of one guy and washes his feet, and later that night, that guy named Peter will say, oh, you know what, I, I don't even know Jesus. He'll deny him. But Jesus just serves. I guess it shouldn't, shouldn't come as a surprise to us, because Jesus in His own words said this one day, He said, for even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for men. You know, there's a part of this story that sometimes I just kind of skip right over. It's found in verse 3. It says something that's very profound about Jesus. It says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. And that He had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus has been given all power. And right after this sort of announcement is made that Jesus has all the power, do you know what He does? Jesus gets up and He serves other people. Jesus has power. He has power over the sun, power over the planets. He has power over the wind and the weather. He has power over the angels. I mean, you name it. And Jesus has power over it. Uh, Do you get the picture of that? Jesus, with all of this incredible power, 
And yet that Jesus, at his very core, is a servant. And he gets up and he serves others because he has a genuine concern for others. Now with that picture in mind, listen to some words from the Bible in Philippians 2 that are written to us. Paul says, your attitude, that would be us. Your attitude, my attitude, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not... Consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was God in the flesh. He has all the power of God. But He made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. See, here's a truth for us. When we serve, we are most like God. When we serve, we are most like God. So Jesus answers the question, I will do it. Then there is this uh, interaction that happens with Peter. And there are a lot of lessons we could talk about in this section, but let me just tell you what happens. And then I want to jump to the end of the story where there's more application of what we're talking about today. Peter and Jesus have this interaction about, Peter says, well, I'm not worthy to have you wash my feet. And Jesus says, hey, unless I wash your feet, we're, we're not really connected. And Peter says, well, then not just my feet. Why don't you wash all of me? And uh, my paraphrase, Jesus says that would be a little bit of an overreaction. Um, your feet will be fine. And then, listen to what happens in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. That's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus says, and says to his followers that night, and his words really have echoed down the corridors of history all the way to us. He says to us, I'll do it. Now you also go and do it. I've set an example for you. I, as your ruler and teacher, have modeled for you the importance of serving others. And if I, your ruler and teacher, can do this for you, I can wash your feet, then none of you, none of you, including me, including you, are too good to say that we can't wash somebody else's feet. None of you are too good to have a genuine concern for other people. None of you are too good to serve others. You see, at His very core, Jesus was a servant. He understood that the most godlike thing that He could do was to serve others. And if it's true for Him, then isn't it true for us? That the most godlike thing that we could do, the thing that gives people a glimpse of what God is really like, is to serve others. I want to kind of drive this home for you in a very practical way. And so, in a few moments, we are going to wash each other's feet. And so people will bring uh, buckets down the center aisle and the, they'll wash the feet of the person that's seated along the aisle there. And then they'll pass that bucket along the aisles and you'll be able to wash the feet of each other. It'll be a very moving time. 
I'm just kidding. But for a moment, you felt a lot of uneasiness and apprehension, didn't you? You know what emotions contributed to that? There are three. Our dignity, our pride, and our hesitancy to be vulnerable. And those three emotions, those three feelings, often stand in the way of us being willing to serve others. They are often what keep us from seeing people throughout life who we ought to serve. What would happen? What would happen if the 350 or so people who call Cross Point their church home decided that today we would check our dignity and our pride and our hesitancy to be vulnerable at the door of this building and we would be determined as we leave this place and as we interact in our community this week that we would be all about serving others. That we would have a genuine concern for those around us. That we'd ask God to help us to focus in and to see the people around us that need to be served. And we wouldn't think, oh, somebody else is going to do it. But that we would really serve. What kind of difference, what kind of impact could that make in our community? Well, I'm going to give you the chance to find out this week. Inside your weekly update, there is another insert that is a half a sheet. And on that half sheet, there are a list of all kinds of very practical ways that you could serve people all around you this week. There are also two business-sized cards that on the front of it says something like, uh, you know, I'm doing this because God loves you, no strings attached, really. And so here's my challenge for you. I want you to take those cards, and if you've got a couple of them, that's great. If you only got one weekly update between two of you, then split the cards up. But I want you to take those cards, and at least once, hopefully a couple times, maybe many times, I want you to do some of the things that are on that page or create your own ideas. And I want you to serve people and watch how God blesses them and how He blesses you as you step outside of your comfort zone a little bit and you genuinely care about people around us. And if you want to do it a whole bunch of times, on the tables as you leave this morning, there's more of those cards. Pick a handful up. And you just serve generously this week. Because you know what? When we have the chance to serve like that, people will get a glimpse of what God is really like. And they'll be attracted to a God like that. Mother Teresa said, I am but a small pencil in the almighty hand of God writing a love letter to the world. And I would add, let's write it well. It's really simple. Trust God. Do good. Be generous. And it will lead to a generous lifestyle. God, I thank You for the example of Jesus for His servant's heart, for His deep and genuine concern about others around Him. And God, I pray this morning we would learn from His example. And God, we'd begin to have His heart for people. God, would You open our eyes in ways that we've never, never experienced before to people all around us this week that we can serve, that we can care for. And Father, as we serve, as we care, would You pour out Your blessings on their lives and on our lives? And God, through us, would you give people a glimpse 
of who you really are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.